Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome, students, to another edition of the Star Seminar. This, in case you don't know, in case you're new around here, is a team-taught class, and I, Professor Rabble Rouser, am joined every week by the great, the luminous Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, my good sir? I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, we got a little bit of snow today in, in, in Oregon, and we don't get that a lot, uh, so it was kind of kind of nice to, to uh, wake up and... Uh, see that it was it was it was pretty nice looking i will say i'm not a big snow fan mind you because i don't like driving in it but um i took my wife's car and she has a snow button and where so i have i mean it, it was nice it was just a nice trip you know very comfortable and I, it kind of made me appreciate uh this rav i bought this this car for her a couple of years ago uh you know i bought it brand new and i actually this car before we bought it uh i happened to be working a lot uh, we just, it was a little bit like when the pandemic was going on. So there was a, you know, big demand for, you know, uh, people working from home. So commercial printing and printing was very big. So a lot of work. And I, so I just had a lot of weekends um, working. And so I remember when that started, I, I actually set a plan. I'm like, I have a plan. I'm going to put all this money away and I'm going to buy my wife a car. And, you know, by the time that it was getting close to uh, training camp, actually, is when, when they stopped, we stopped working on the weekends, and uh, and I had myself a nice chunk of change to go out and, and get this car for for my wife. So I just it made me feel pretty good about uh pretty good about putting that plan together, following through, and uh, and seeing the result. And but you know that's that's how things are here in Oregon. But you know what, uh, you haven't been at home, Rabs. So I was going to ask you, you know, how was your trip? Uh, it was great. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of stories to tell. I'll tell you what, I have one that's connected to to the snow, so I'll share that one, and then we, we can share more uh, in future. Um, when we were in, we went to, to uh, Lisbon, Portugal, and, and surrounding area, and then we went to uh, Marrakesh, Morocco, and surrounding areas. We took a day trip out of out of Marrakesh and uh, went to this old this old village that's actually been the site of a lot of uh, a lot of Hollywood films. Gladiator was filmed there, a bunch of other bunch of other movies and um, we had a guide who was our driver and guide took us up over the atlas mountains which are just outside of marrakesh and um, they had snow so this is the snow connection 
Uh, they had snow on those mountains. They they oftentimes get snow, but it had been unusually uh, an unusual snow, and they'd got like six feet. So it was actually kind of incredible. Here we were in Morocco. At, you know, I mean, we were in the desert riding camels one day, and the next day we're driving through this this uh, snow snow you know topped peaks where there's like six feet of snow. And so um, that was pretty cool. But what was really cool was the guy who was our driver was this guy named Salim, and he actually was born to a, in a tribe of nomadic Berbers where he lived in a tent where his family would pick up and move all the time for until he was like 11. And that, and before he moved in, uh, to, to like Marrakesh, eventually, I think he lives there now. And, um, and, and he, he's never been to school and he speaks seven languages. He was the coolest. Ooh. He was like the coolest guy. He had so many awesome stories. And so, um, so it was just, it was just cool to meet people whose like life experience was so radically different than that than, than ours um so yeah it's good time glad to be back uh you know uh, it's it's always i think it's always good to get to get away and to uh expand your horizons um and i was very happy to be in portugal celebrating the demise of our hated division rival in the game to end all games that they have on an annual basis um, but we have some really fun things to talk about here uh, in Cowboys land about the Cowboys. But before we do, I do want to ask you a question. Um, you know, here we are, a couple of old heads. And I think that, you know, this time of year allows us to be a little bit nostalgic. So I like to get that into my, you know, into my nostalgic cups a little bit here. And so I'd like to ask you a question. Um, if there's any team in the NFL right now, you also know I'm a uniform guy. I love uniforms. Yeah. Love and I, probably like the Cowboys because of their uniforms initially. And, you know, and, and so that's why I don't want them to change. But if you could, if you could change any current team's uniforms back to the uniforms they wore when you first started being a fan, what team would it be and what uniform and why? Rabs, you know, I mean, we know each other well enough to know that this is, this is super hard. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I'm, I'm the same way where like, I, my, my initial thought was like all of them. All of them is like because there's there's so many greats that go back to you know early '80s, late '70s. Those uniforms were just fantastic, and I mean I don't know if it's just something about when you first start watching that that makes that connection, or if it's just the fact that those just they were just better, you know, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it's really hard. I, I I'm just trying to think of like teams that whose uniforms are better now, and it's I just it's hard to do. But I'll tell you what. I you know I do have an answer. I mean I I have a few answers, but I did I did pick a favorite, and um, I'm I I think I'm gonna go with the San Diego Chargers. Uh, oh, I, I mean that's I interesting. I lo- I like the colors, and I also like the creativity of you know using the the lightning bolts. You know, uh, you know for for the the pants, and then they had the jerseys on the oh, with the on the sleeve too. I just I think the colors looked really good. I mean, Dan Fouts just looks so good in that uniform. I just uh, with the yellow pants and the dark blue jersey. Yes, it was just I don't know what it yeah, is about it. I just that's that's yeah. definitely one of my favorite. I mean, you're not it, there's you could probably you know you wouldn't have to twist my arm to like tell me a couple others that are just as good if not better. But uh, I I think at least starts there. I mean. Throwing it right back at you, Rabs. What's who? What's top on your list? And I think I know the answer to this, but I'm, you know, go ahead and tell me. 
I might I might surprise you a little bit with this one. So I got a couple of semifinalists that, that are honorable mentions. Okay, so that those two are actually two, a couple of ex, couple of expansion teams. Uh, one of which is the Seattle Seahawks. I love the old Steve Largent, Jim Zorn, like the sort of like blue and silver with the, with the green Seahawk. I love that old Seahawk uh, on the silver helmet. I thought that was great. I never really quite understood that fluorescent neon green. Um, that's one. The other, of course, and this is the one you probably thought I would be my would be my finalist, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I love the old creamsicle uniforms. I mean, the, the pewter the pewter is fine. You know, those 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 uniforms remind me of of the early years when Steve Spurrier was their quarterback and and Ricky Bell, who they picked number one overall, was their running back, and uh, and they were they were terrible, but the, those uniforms are glorious. But this may be the surprise. My my the one team that I would like to see go back to their uniform from the late seventies, early eighties is the new England Patriots. That is the one I would pick for you. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I guess I'm, I'm horribly predictable. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I actually think that um, I dislike the Patriots uh, of the, you know, the two thousands and on for many reasons. Um, But one of them is that I think that they're a a really boring team to watch, but the other is I think they've got, terrible uniforms i actually think that the old uniforms of the red jerseys and the pete the patriot on the side were so clean so fantastic i don't understand why you'd ever get rid of them i think that that's that stupid patriot uh insignia is is, is ridiculous pete the patriot much, much like the the swashbuckling buccaneer on the old on the old buccaneer creamsicle helmets was just perfect and it was in some ways it, it it's a it's a vestigial remnant of a time when the NFL was fun, mm-hmm. you know. Pete the Patriot and the and the, the Buccaneer were both just really fun logos on the sides of helmets, and uh, and so yeah, I mean I, th- th- that would be that would be the one for me. I think I might not despise Tom Brady quite so much if he was wearing Pete the Patriot on the side of his helmet for every one of his Super Bowl wins. Yeah, I um, I also like too. I like I like the Drew Bledsoe blue. I don't know if you remember it. They, I think yeah, he, yeah. Mm-hmm. He did have the uh, it did have the Patriot emblem on the side too. But I I thought those were okay jerseys. But I totally agree with you. Like the ones they have now, are just I think they're they're, just, they're going backwards. But I I do I do like the older ones and even the blue with the with blood. So there to me was was something. It's better than what they have now. Um, yeah, I mean you had great choices. I'm trying to you know I thought about the Buccaneers too. I like I I certainly like those as throwbacks, but. I don't know if I, if they were the every every week uniforms. I don't know if that would be like. It might be one of those where you're just kind of looking like the Seahawks in the neon green. It's like, why are they doing that? You know, I just I don't know if it would if I would like that all the time. But um, uh, but yeah, and uh, yeah, I also I, I like the Bengals back then too. Thought those were good. Uh, mm-hmm. Also like the Oilers mostly because of the co- the color. I just thought. Oh, I love your blue Oilers. That's a great call. Yeah, the Titans are nowhere near as interesting as the uniform. Yeah, besides the helmet with the that you know that that's that's a cool looking helmet too. But that's not the colors. The way that the colors work there too. So those would be my my top ones. Those are great choices. Uh, but speaking of great choices, I think we have some really great choices about an offensive off season plan that you've got to share with us. So why don't we get to that? Yeah. So. You know, I talked earlier, you know, I just, I like to, to have plans in place. And so I decided to kind of just go through um, this past weekend and just kind of put together an off-season guide of what I think the Cowboys should do. And, um, and I just went 
through every position and started identifying things I would I would do if I was the Cowboys off uh, front office. So I have in front of me an off season plan, and um, if you've been reading over at Blogging the Boys, you've seen a couple of these already. That started they started coming out on Wednesday, and you're going to get one of these every day for ten days until we get through all the positions. But uh, quarterbacks and running backs have came out uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and then today. Today's was the offensive line. So I wanted to start there, Brad. So I'm going to just go through each position, and I want to tell you my plan, and I want you to – I'm turning this into you for review. I want you to take a look at my draft and figure out, okay, what do you like? Where do you see think there could be some changes needed? So if you don't mind, I would like to throw this at you. So let's start with the offensive line. Uh, I think the easy – thing to do is going to be the tender Terrence still I think that it's not completely clear to me just how good he will be uh in 2023 I think he'll be fine uh but certainly we want him as part of this team's future so I think tendering him there and whether they work out a long-term deal also that is also a possibility but I would start there um but the next thing I would do, I'd run through these. Um, I would I would release Tyron Smith. We can have a dis- discussion about this. But uh, Tyron has missed a lot of action over the last few years, and his contract is you know 13 plus, and that's his base salary. I think that's just too much to to spend on a player that's just not available, and I don't think they need him like they used to because of recent um, players that have emerged on the on the. On the ends there. So I would do that. I would put an emphasis on drafting, um, using one of the premium picks to draft an offensive lineman. I know that you, you know, think the Cowboys uh, need help there, and I agree with you. So whether it's uh, an, an interior offensive lineman or just a, like they typically do, a, a tackle that has guard flexibility, I think that would be great to see happen early in the draft. And help uh, strengthen that offense. I think you got you basically you got five good starters if they pull that off. Anyway, I would do that. I would also try to extend Tyler Biotish. He's, I think he's turned out to be a good player. He uh, earned Pro Bowl honors, and he's doing everything that you were hoped that he would do. So I certainly think that keeping him around should be part of the team's future. I have, so I have to throw some money at him there. And then this one might be a little controversial, but I have developed, Matt Wolatsko and Josh Ball for the swing tackle position. Uh, I know fans didn't care for Josh Ball in limited action last year. And, of course, Wolatsko dealt with the shoulder injury where he injured it three times over the last year. So we never really got to see him. Just a small glimpse of him in um, preseason. So but I, so I definitely think he's in the mix there. And then, finally, I like to keep Matt Farniak around for – O-line depth. I think he's a solid reserve uh, guard center. So those are my, uh, that's my off-season to-do list for the offensive line. So looking at that list, Raps, what do you like? What do you don't like? Tell me what you think. Well, you know, when, when you and I talked about what they wanted to do at offensive line or what we'd like to see at offensive line when we had a, uh, an earlier podcast and you asked me to bring out uh, a set of tools to see how, how much of an overhaul we wanted, I think I, I think what I was largely saying was, I don't know that we need to overhaul the personnel. I think we need to overhaul the coaching and the philosophy. And so this, I feel feel like, is in pretty tight alignment with that. Um, I 
I agree with, about Tyron Smith. I, I feel like they can't rely on him to be a starter. I feel like, um, you know, they, they they found his replacement last year. I think that's a, he's a different kind of player. He'll never be as good as Tyron Smith was in his prime, but he's a different player. He can be more like a Mark Tuane and more like a more like a Flozell Adams. Not quite so you know gifted athletically, but athletic enough to play the position and maybe even more powerful in in, in some regards than Tyron Smith. Um, you know, if, if Smith, can, you know, if they can do something where, uh, you know, he'll he'll he'll. I mean, his contract is awfully low for. For a player of his of the caliber he once played at, but I think that they definitely need to. I think that they just can't continue to rely on him to be an answer as part of the starting five. If he's if he can be their start their, their swing tackle and, and and play accordingly, then I'm then I'm then I'm game. So I guess the real question I have for you is, uh, how high are we drafting an interior offensive lineman? Or how high are we drafting offensive tackle? Because I think one of the other things that we've talked about is that they spend too many premium assets on interior offensive linemen where ultimately those guys are important, but they don't make enough of a difference where you really want to spend that many premium assets there. I think that one of the problems they had in the, in, when they were good in the late 2010s was that they were good in positions that didn't matter as much. And uh, the, and they invested in, in those positions, and that was great. They have great players at those positions. Their offensive line was great. And that and we loved watching them play, and their running game was 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 a joy to behold. And ultimately, they weren't as good at positions where they where having an edge makes a bigger difference. And so I I want them to be stout on the interior offensive line, but I want them to be stout with uh, low cost free agents and uh, you know late second and third day draft picks who develop and like like Tyler Biotish and are mean tough cusses. So if 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 they get an offensive line. Uh, offensive lineman early i want that person to be an offensive tackle i want to draft premium positions um, with my first two rounds and so that's that's the one thing that where i i think if we want to draft a guy great but let's make sure we spend wisely to do so yeah no i agree there i mean i i I figured first two days though is what i'm thinking and i'm kind of like i totally understand what you're thinking there and you don't want to just go all your heavy resources on the offensive line but keep in mind that they got tyler they have you know, Tyler Smith is like their only premium draft resource because Biotis was a fourth rounder. Terrence still undrafted, so I don't have any yeah, problem. No, that's good. I don't have any problem with him throwing another first rounder, at, you know, late first rounder. If that if that's how the draft works out, certainly, you know how I feel about the draft. You certainly you don't go after a certain position. You kind of let things come to you and look for the look for the best player at certain certain positions and, and definitely positions that could help your team come in immediately starter. And I, honestly, like a left guard is, is one of those spots. Or if it is a tackle, you know, you have Tyler, you know, Smith also too, that could play left guard. So I think there's some flexibility there, but I, I do think it's a position that I would like to see the Cowboys have someone who is better. And when I looked at the Tyron Smith contract too, and I wouldn't mind having him because it would allow them to do exactly that. You know, if you can, t- you know, put, put Tyron back at, at left tackle and, but, for that to happen, I really think you need to probably see some type of renegotiated contract. I don't know if, if, if Tyron wants to play more, if he would take a pay cut. It feels weird to even ask him that because they got such a cr- tremendous deal out of that contract overall. I mean, until he yeah. until he started basically not being available, it was one of the b- biggest deals, you know, ever. I'd, but yeah, I don't know. I think there's there's some different ways they can go, but I think that they uh, definitely could use to bolster that offensive line and you know you know how they were with the you know pass protection and win rate and stuff so definitely it's an area they could 
They've got to get better, but I don't think they can do that through new personnel. They can't overhaul the personnel. They've got to get better at coaching and and concept and philosophy. Yeah. Speaking of coaching, I mean, what do you, I'm going to, I want to move on to tight end real quick because there's not a lot to say about it, uh, but I was super surprised with what we saw from the, the rookies and because of it, it just, it made the Cowboys decision to tag Schultz and not sign him to a long-term deal last season a great move because they basically worked out just as they had hoped. And so to me, I'm, I'm, I'm letting Dalton Schultz walk in free agency. I love the guy. I think he's a great value you know, to the, to the team. He's a, a big, uh, reliable target for, for Prescott for sure. And, um, you know, it's, we'll, we'll miss him, no doubt, but I don't think we can justify that cost, especially when you have two young tight ends and, uh, Ferguson and Hendershot, and I think we'll see expanded roles there. And um, I would also, too, you know, do what they do do, and do, which is, you know, late round, draft a tight end that with an emphasis on inline blocking like they've done with, you know, the, McKeon was an undrafted free agent, but even I don't even think Schultz was expected drafted to be what he is. I think he was more kind of like a James Hanna, just help block sort of tight end. And uh, so I think – you know, they can do that relatively cheap. And, and overall, they would have a, a nice core tight end. So anything about what I would do that you have any issue with? No, I think you've got it. You've nailed it. I think that, um, you know, you you can't continue to, you know, invest big money in that position. I mean, I think it's, a, it's an important position, but it's not a not a position you want to throw a lot of assets that's a, that's a weird thing to say but i think that that's true i think the only place you throw assets is if you have a, 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 a tight end with rare gifts who can really stretch defenses press press the uh, the seams that kind of thing and so um but then you know that person can oftentimes be a liability i think the thing you pointed out about where they get tight ends if you look at where they've, they've got tight ends in the last couple of last couple of times they've really reached out to draft one been Dalton Schultz from Stanford. It's been Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin. These are these are teams that run the ball primarily, mm-hmm. that have pro style running attacks where guys um, are used to blocking and, uh, uh, for the run and also show a little athleticism. And so, but and so oftentimes they're undervalued because they they haven't you know been playing in this wide open attack where they're you know just sort of running free all the time. And so uh, the thing is, they're more pro ready. There's a lot of tight ends who end up spending their entire college wide receivers as essentially as as sort of split, or, you know, as, as sort of split ends or flex flexed out tight ends. They don't inline block. They don't know what to do inline. They don't know how to position themselves. And it takes two or three years for them to learn how to do that. Cowboys, I think, very wisely choose guys who have spent their college career doing that and then teach them to find underneath zones and so i think that's a i think it's a wise way to proceed it's a wise way to get value while you while you're drafting tight ends on day three and they've done a great job with that so just keep doing what you're doing dallas front office because it's working yeah totally agree i mean who would have expected dalton schultz to be such a formidable you know weapon in the passing game you know certainly not me um but so i'm going to move move on to one that's a little more fun and this is this probably a little more controversial because what I want to do is probably not as exciting as what um, a lot of fans would like to do. So I'm moving on to wide receiver position. Uh, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk about certain receivers people want, you know, most of which were going to cost a little bit of uh, some cap space to get. Uh, that's not what I want. Uh, I want to sign a low cost free agent, but I want to have an emphasis on somebody who can separate. And I think there's some 
some guys out there that can create some separation and won't cost very much money to to bring on. So to me, I'm looking to just kind of stay cheap, but to, but to target that specific skill set that they bring. Uh, that's my first thing. Uh, I also an obvious one is they're going to exercise the fifth year option on CD Lamb. Uh, that's there's really not much to think about it. That that's that's going to happen. So they can uh, whether they whenever they renegotiate, I'd probably end up being the last year of his deal, which would be the fifth year now. Um, so that we won't be seeing any CD extension this year because of that. Um, and then also too, I think I think receiver warrants a premium draft pick i would like to see them within the first couple days and again no particular order of which this but it can be as early as first round um draft a wide receiver and Mm -hmm. try to find somebody who i I do think that that gallup and lamb are a a nice starting point i do think we'll see an improved michael gallup next year i think you know more time away from you know his knee injury and i think lamb Mm -hmm. lamb proved himself uh to be a very strong receiver so adding an, another talent to that mix, I think with somebody, you know, honestly, I know they missed on Jalen Tolbert, but he, some, I would just say do it all again because, you know, because you know, a third round receiver might be the answer this time around. So uh, definitely give that, give that another try. And of course, continue to develop players like Tolbert, uh, Fihoku and uh, Dennis Houston, some young players who we were optimistic for last year, but, Never turned into anything, but that's that's my plan. Not very exciting, Rabs. What do you think about those choices? Uh, I think that two things. One, I think that that plan makes uh, a good amount of sense. I don't think that uh, so to me the question is: Can you get a, a, a wide receiver who can create separation for a low cost? Right. So, so I guess the question is: How much overlap is there? Who are the who are the guys who will do that? And where does that separation take place? Is that underneath separation? Are you getting a Cole Beasley type who's got a lot of quickness, maybe not a lot of long speed? Or are you hoping to find someone who can create separation in the intermediate and deep routes? Because that, of course, costs more. And so um, I, I think that it, it, may be, it may be that they have to invest some money in someone who can make a difference. Now, if they feel like Michael Gallup can't do that in year two back from his injury, you've just said you think Michael Gallup would be better. He has a history of being able to do that in, in previous years so much of it depends on him because i do think that in the mark mccarthy offense one of the things we saw in green bay and i think we'll start to see this in dallas is they always had a pipeline full of like first and second day receivers a lot of second rounders i mean randall cobb and jordy nelson and uh Devontae adams all second round draft picks you know big big rangy guys who could break tackles uh, i think that that's what the Mike McCarthy offense kind of needs. It tends to be, you know, something where you get three guys lined up and you find mismatches and, um, and you exploit those. Uh, And that's, that was the beauty of the offense for so many years. So they're, they're going to have to have a stable of receivers. It's not the kind of offense that can rely on one guy. So the other thing about this is I agree with investing a, a top draft pick, but we have to be aware that a guy contributing in year one or two as a, as a, as a, as a, uh, you know, as a, young wide receiver is the exception not the rule that typically guys don't break out until their third year look at cd lamb he was good he was good des bryant he was good in years one and two showed lots of flashes but it was that third year they really took the leap and became you know a, a lead dog kind of receiver and i think that's true of everybody so um i think people really need to just 
half the breaks on calling Jalen Tolbert a bust or that something didn't work out. He was a first, he was a rookie receiver. It almost never happens for rookie receivers. And a lot of times coaching staffs know when they draft a guy, it's going to take a couple, three years and that's okay. That's why you, that's why you do it. You, you know, you're going to invest in a guy for a couple, three years and hopefully you three years, three and four, you get something out of him and maybe you can extend him for another year or two after that. Um, but that's the way the NFL works. So you just have to keep, you have to keep drafting wide receivers. You have to keep drafting them high. You have to keep drafting um, guys who have traits where they can win. And so uh, I think to me, the question is just because it takes a couple of years and Joe and Jalen Tober didn't show us much. They have to have at least one more quality guy. Can they get that guy at low cost? Because another James Washington, probably not going to cut it, right? They've got to get a guy, that, but you know, a T Y Hilton for the whole year may, may have been enough to make a difference. Um, but they, if Michael Gallup can be the old Michael Gallup, then a T.Y. Hilton, Randall Cobb veteran type makes some sense. If not, then they're going to have to pay for it. They're going to have to pay for it because they've got to get that guy. I think that the, the offense cannot survive another year without somebody who can, in addition to C.D. Lamb, get open over the intermediate and deep portions of the field. Yeah, I, I think that's probably where I disagree with a lot of fans as far as I don't think we got to get that guy i think we just need to get a guy and i list i listed um uh, last week i had a couple articles run that uh they um, identified basically your top 36 separators and some of them are expensive some of them aren't and i do think there's some options in there that the mm-hmm. cowboys could mm-hmm. find in there because because and the reason i say that raps is because i think dak prescott is a better quarterback than he played down the stretch last year and I mean, he even showed us last year with the hand that he was dealt that he could be really fantastic, and this offense can be really fantastic. So I am really betting on him to to do more with an adequate crew. I'm not saying we should not, you know, not give him any weapons and just put it make it hard on him. I'm just saying that I think he can that there's there's could be enough there for him to work with, and I don't. That's why I don't want to see like the Odell Beckham thing. I don't want to us to go out there and spend money on on a player that's come on there to be uh, to me to, I don't think is something that's necessary. So I'm a little bit little bit t- tighter with my resources in that regard. Um, but definitely mm-hmm. it's it's um it's tough. But you know transitioning over to the quarterback and we won't won't need to spend a lot of time here. Uh, my my quarterback offseason guide suggests this is I think I would like to see them sign Dak Prescott to a contract extension. Um, of course, that takes both sides to agree on that. And whether that happens, don't know, but certainly something that's possible. If, of course, it does not, then that contract extension will in turn into a contract restructure where the Cowboys will uh, basically take some of his base salary and turn it into bonus and free up some cap space and spread that money down to future years. So I think that is something we'll see. And uh, as far as backup goes, I don't know if I want to, if, if it's Cooper Rush again, fine. But I don't know that I, I don't know that it's going to be. So to me, I think that they need to find, like, sign another veteran to a low cost deal. Nothing big, but I do think, you know, mm-hmm. it's important to, to get a quality quarterback and that can handle, you know, Prescott missing a two or three games. Uh, so I think that's something they need to do. And also, too, I would like to see them draft another late-round pick, a flyer where they can d- develop your 
your Mike White or well, speaking of Mike White, he fits in that second category I just mentioned. But but mm-hmm. you know, a player like Danucci or somebody not like Danucci, better hopefully better than but in that category, you know, you can develop and you know it has some upside and maybe could uh I don't know where what's going on with, with Greer and what they've seen enough, what what his future is. I know he's under contract for another year, but you know, maybe they need to go a different direction. So that's my quarterback plan. What any thoughts on that? I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that that veteran free agent, low cost guy could be Cooper Rush or it could be some other guy. They're all, the rest of those guys are all the same, right? The, 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 the very re- real situation in the NFL in terms of quarterback is there aren't enough of them for the 32 teams they have right now. And so basically quarterbacks 22 through 32 and then on into the, maybe the first 10 or 15 or 20 even of the, of the backups are basically all the same guy, right? They're, um, they they can manage a game if they've got enough things going on around them, um, but they're they're not the kind of guy who you know is likely to to they can't make all the NFL throws or if they can they're not particularly good at reading defenses or they're they're too prone to holding the ball. There's always something that if they didn't have this thing they would be a starter, right? Uh, and so it's very very rare that a guy has those qualities. Um, and so I you know the reality is if Dak Prescott goes down in almost every season. The Cowboys are screwed. They should have been screwed this last season. Cooper Rush played really well for Cooper Rush. And they also happened to play a bunch of teams whose offensive lines were kind of still in disorder, uh, who had who had injured personnel on the offensive line or on the offense, or who weren't particularly good on offense, and which allowed their defense to take over and dominate games so that Cooper Rush didn't have to extend himself. But when he did against Philadelphia, he was exposed. And if if, they, if he had had to do that against a lot of the teams they played in the second half of the season when their, when their defense was not dominating, I think he would have been similarly exposed. He's just, but so would every other backup quarterback in the league. There's no such thing as a great backup quarterback mm-hmm. because it's, if he was great, he'd be starting. Right. Um, but I, but uh, I think the draft and develop at quarterback is absolutely the way to go. I think ideally what you've got is you've got a couple of draftees in the pipeline, one of whom has been around for two or three years, another of whom is around in their first or second year. You know, and so, um, and then ideally, you know, the, the guy who's your number two gets signed somewhere else. You get a little con- compensatory for it. And the guy who you just drafted moves up into that slot or you get a veteran occasionally if, you, if he's not quite ready. And you, just, and, you, and you, you know, you hope that your quarterback doesn't have uh, a significant injury that, that causes him to miss six, seven games. And then, then, and if he does, your season's over. And that's the way the NFL works. So I think the way you've, you've got it is absolutely right. Dak Prescott's going to be their quarterback for the next five to six years at the least. So whether they extend him now or kick the camp forward, it really doesn't matter because um, that money's Dak's money either way. Yeah. It's a quick question with this though. You want Cooper rush back? Uh, I don't know. I think it really depends on, on, on what the difference is going to be in the McCarthy offense because uh, the Cooper rush has very real limitations from an arm strength perspective. I think he's good. He was, he was really good at running an offense. He's good at play action. He's good at, at, at executing an offense when the running game is working, but uh, he can't make the NFL throws, the deep outs, uh, the, the sort of deep, deep middles, you know, in, into tight windows. He doesn't have the arm strength to make those throws. He can throw deep, but it's, it's a, you know, uh, it has to be a guy who's, you know, who's fairly wide open. He can't throw. Like, you know, he just doesn't, he can't throw deep on a, on a rope. And so, um, 
if McCarthy's offense wants to try to hit more of those kind of passes, then no. Oh, I, then I'd rather have a guy who can make those passes because uh, otherwise there's otherwise the fit is, isn't the same as it was in the Kellen Moore offense. Yeah, no, I'd be kind of curious. I don't know what his cost would be a bit. I mean, in one hand, it's he's he's not a bad backup to have, but uh, on the other hand, as you said, there he's certainly there are limitations, and if if he's well, missing well, an extended yeah. amount of time, then you're going to be in in trouble. So, um, well, let's put it this way, also, Dan. Uh, let's say he gets signed for you know twelve million a year for some team, whether it's to be a starter or backup. Let's just say something like that. Shoot, okay. twelve million a year. Who's giving him that? Hey, hey, Daniel Jones is going for forty six. People, people will give Cooper Rush that kind of money. And I mean, if he's a starter, they might even make it. If they, someone thinks he could be their starter, they might might even give him more. But let's just say, let's just say they give him something in that range. The, the Cowboys are going to comp- going to get a compensatory pick, mm-hmm. right? And so, in some ways, unless they just really think that he's got unique characteristics that somebody else doesn't have, or add something to the quarterback room that nobody else can add, then it makes a lot more sense to let him go, get the compensatory pick, and then sign another guy for the same price. Yeah. Right? You're spending the same money either way, but you get the pick. So, uh, you know, I mean, you have, he's just, he's an asset. He's just an asset. You have to deal with your assets and, and maximize them whatever way you can. So unless there's something that um, is worth more to them than the compensatory pick they might get from him getting a pretty decent little backup quarterback contract, then then they should move on. Yeah, if he commands anything in free agency at all, he's going to be priced out of Dallas because there's no way they're going to be spending that type of money on it. Like they don't even want to, they wouldn't even do that for Andy Dalton, you know, so it's, They'll they'll find other ways to back up. When you have a quarterback like Prescott, you, you know you you're you're baking, you're putting all your mar, your marbles, eggs, or whatever in that basket for sure. And you just want to you're going to try to find a cheap way to just keep your head above water when if he's missing short amount of time. But anyway, let's uh, I've saved the best one for last. This one's going to be a little controversial because I know a lot of fans are well, all over the place. With this one, so uh, looking at the running back position, my off-season plan consists of this. I think we need to release Ezekiel Elliott, not pay, no, no pay cut, flat-out release. Love Zeke, great player, everybody loves him, but as far as what you're getting from him these days, I just don't think it justifies putting any money, um, any more money into Elliott. So flat-out release, release would be my pick for that. Uh, de- you know, designate June one, uh, June first cut for Elliot, but this is the one that's going to be controversial because I am, and I'm, I've been on the fence with this, but I am choosing to, to tag Tony Pollard. I think I just want to have him on the roster for one more year as a little bit of insurance to, as I try to uh, remodel my running back room. Uh, so I, w- I want to keep that explosiveness there. I think he brings a lot of things to the, to the offense. I just not willing to give up. So I'm just going to bite the bullet and spend that money and tag him. But I also think that they should draft a running back and that they should be drafting a running back that they want for their future. We know this draft has a lot of really good backs. Uh, and it's tempting to actually just say, hey, just let's just blow this whole thing up and go that route. Maybe even take a couple of them. Much more affordable. But I'm going to say keep Pollard, draft a running back, and then also keep Malik Davis around for some running back depth too. So you have Pollard, the rookie, and and then Davis, there's your running back combo. So that's my off season plan. What do you like? What do you not like? 
Well, what I don't like is the fact that the Cowboys are going to need to overhaul their running back room. And I, I don't know that they can do that in one year. Right. So I think that, that that's one of the problems we have, which is if they don't tag Pollard, then they either keep Zeke and try to replace Pollard or um, they do the opposite. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. They can they can let Pollard go and get rid of Zeke. And then what do you have? Then you're relying on um you know, on the guy who was a third stringer, Malik Davis, who looked good in a couple of preseason games, looked good in, in mop-up time when defenses had given up. I, I mean, we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him do well when other teams were really, really trying, right? Um, so I think, you know, we, we don't know what we have in, 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 in Malik Davis. And so I think they've got, to, they've got to find a couple guys. I think the most successful teams do what the Cowboys did last year where they have a stable of running backs and all three of them contribute. All three of them are active on game day. You know, one or two of them play special teams. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter today, uh, but the uh, the guy who's the new Titans like GM who had been with the 49ers front office was talking about the role of analytics. And he talked about the drafting of Elijah Mitchell, where um, their analytics team basically went they went to him and said, this is the guy that we think is the best outside zone runner in the draft because, uh, based on our analytics. But can you take a look at the tape and confirm that? And he did. And he, and it was in fact confirmed. And so they went, they went to the, you know, to the other scouts and they went to the front office and said, Hey, we think this guy's really, really great. And in the sixth round, I think when he was drafted, they apparently the 49ers were, were looking to draft D'Amico Ryan's a, a linebacker that he really liked a lot. And, and, and uh, they showed, they, they had the tape of Elijah Mitchell on it and D'Amico Ryan's basically watched that called the linebackers coach in and said, this running back's better than the linebacker we're targeting. I think we need to let him take the, take the running back. And it's just such an interesting story of the way that, that, um, the drafting is such a collaborative process, but also that the way in which you identify a trait that'll allow a guy to be successful in your system and draft that trait. And then and you, you don't, you don't have to, you know, draft early to, to draft a trait that allows a guy to be successful. And, you know, obviously Elijah Mitchell has been hugely successful for the, for the 49ers. And as, as that, as the guy whose name I don't even remember, um, was talking about, you know, was instrumental in their run to the playoffs and, you know, and uh, their run to the NFC championship game as they won like 10 games in a row or something. He was huge. And so um, to me, I think that's just a kind of instructive tale in the sense that you don't need to, in fact, would be foolish to spend a lot of assets on the position. I think the Cowboys are going to have to, because they have two guys, one of whom his contract is up and the other uh, who is basically his career is up. He's basically washed. And so what do you do? So I think that they've got to either keep Pollard and get rid of Zeke, or they've got to restructure Zeke and let Pollard walk and draft another guy. And they have to draft a guy on day three who, who they identify as a trait that will allow him to win and the kind of offensive scheme that Mike McCarthy wants, wants to run. The idea that anybody should, you know, these people want to draft the, uh, yeah, like the kid out of Texas in, in the first round, it's absurd. You just do not spend that kind of asset on a running back. It's an expendable position. You don't spend that kind of position. You don't spend that kind of um, asset on a, on, a, on a linebacker either because they're high-impact, short-career positions. It's asinine. So how, how, can this, how can this front office find resources on the cheap? Now, the other thing they can do, is there's going to be a, a pretty, I mean, it's going to be a rich draft for running backs and it seems like it's a pretty good free agent class for running backs. So they can remake the, the, the room. 
but it's it's just a scary thing remaking the room with guys who you who you've never had before, right? Because you just never know. You don't know. I mean, there's a reason teams let guys go. There's a reason that guys bust out of college. And so do you really want to just go into the year with Malik Davis? And so I think, you know, one one way to do this is the way you just the way you just articulated. Let 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 Zeke go and tag Pollard. The other is to let Pollard walk and convince Zeke to take a restructure where uh, you know, where uh his money isn't isn't hurting you as much. It's not costing you as much on your cap, and then you and then you get at least one, if not two, other running backs, and let them all fight it out. Mm-hmm. But they've got to do something. I think they've got to. Re- I think they've got to completely overhaul the, the the running back room in the next two years. I don't think it's. I don't know that you can do it in one year. I think that maybe you tag Pollard because you you have a two year plan. So you you let go of, let go of Zeke. Uh, Pollard is basically like Schultz, right? He's there while the young guys develop, and maybe Milk Davis develops. Maybe he doesn't. But you've got to get at least one other guy in um, who has a trait that you think will allow him to win. Yeah. Which is, which is, I think, precisely what they did with Pollard. Yeah. Right? It was his explosiveness and his ability to, to, to not lose speed when he cut that was so exciting about him. Uh, you know, and, and whatever that trait is, I mean, I don't care what trait it is, but it, there's always, a, there's always a, a trait that allows a running back to be successful. Maybe it's his vision. Maybe it's his explosiveness. Maybe it's his one cut ability. Whatever it is. Or maybe it's just a combination of a couple factors. But like the 49ers did that with Elijah Mitchell. And then the Cowboys are going to have to do that with some guy they draft in in the, the third day. Because otherwise, you're wasting valuable assets on a running back. They're just not worth yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I'm actually glad you brought up Elijah Mitchell, too. Because I think there's an instance, too. Is what One thing that a lot of people may have forgotten about Elijah Mitchell is he was not the 49ers' first running back they drafted. They actually spent a third-round pick. On Trey Sermon, who was all expected, if you follow fantasy, he was all, you know, he's expected to be the craze and get the workload. And then, but look what happens. But I think that speaks to the, the fact that you could maybe throw, you know, a, a third rounder and then a sixth rounder. And, you know, if you have a deep draft class, which this is, this, this you will find starting running backs in the fourth round with this group. And uh, yeah, if you don't want to spin draft pick on Bijan Robinson, fine. You know, you know, I'm not gonna fight anyone on that. I, I don't. I don't quite agree. Like 26 is, is late. If you're getting a, like the seventh best player in the draft at 26, depending on who I have on my board, I mean, I may lean that way. But certainly, you don't have to. And there are so many good options at running back who can come in and and play and, and start. And I think keeping Pollard around and keeping Pollard in that role too. I don't want to see him having uh, just a a huge amount of carries too. I think he. He keeps that explosiveness when he can just stay around that 15 touch mark, and uh, I think that's pretty good. And uh, you know, there's so many great rookie running backs that you can pair package with him, and uh, and then you know, hopefully, you know, you can you're, you're you're feeling really good about your running back, your young running back next year when you can then you can let Pollard walk. And um, but yeah, that's it's tough because it was between that or and flat out just hitting the reset altogether. Drafting a couple running backs, mind you, maybe even in that instance, spend a couple, two, three, four million on a player that's going to come in, and you can give you a lot. You know, you could just count on. I don't, you know, there, there, there are like you said, it's a good free agent class. You can find some good players there that they're not superstars, but they're perfectly adequate to kind of keep you, um, keep you afloat there. And if you, if you draft your, draft a couple running backs, you can package, and then who knows. Maybe by week six, your rookie running back is, you know, carrying the, the running game for you. So 
Yeah, that's um, that's my uh, offense off-season plan, Rabs. Uh, like I said, uh, these will be um, coming out one article a day uh, for ten days straight. We like we're in day three of it now, and uh, but next week we would like to go over, run through my defensive off-season plan yes. and talk about that. And there's actually a, there's there's a lot more to actually, you know, a lot lot some tough decisions, mind you, even though it's some mm-hmm. good. Good defensive team the Cowboys have. There, there's still some tough decisions about who the Cowboys should try to retain and who they are willing to let go. But that is all we have for today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blog of the Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you'd like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics. You know, or do you have a favorite off-season plan? Hit us up on Twitter. Let me know. I'm at DaddyPhantom24. And Rabs is at RoboRouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have The World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. Class dismissed.